Section 098 of The Man Who Laughs by Victor Hugo. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Bill Mosley. The Man Who Laughs by Victor Hugo. Part 2. Book the Eighth. Chapter 8. He would be a good brother were he not a good son. There was no one in the gallery. Gwynplaine crossed the circular space from which they had removed the armchair and the tables, and there now remained no trace of his investiture. Candelabra and lustres, placed at certain intervals, marked the way out. Thanks to this string of light, he retraced without difficulty through the suite of saloons and galleries the way which he had followed on his arrival with the king-at-arms and the usher of the black rod. He saw no one except here and there some old lord with tardy steps plodding along heavily in front of him. Suddenly, in the silence of those great deserted rooms, bursts of indistinct exclamations reached him, a sort of nocturnal clatter unusual in such a place. He directed his steps to the place whence the noise proceeded, and found himself in a spacious hall, dimly lighted, which was one of the exits from the House of Lords. He saw a great glass door open, a flight of steps, footmen, and links, a square outside and a few coaches waiting at the bottom of the steps. This was the spot from which the noise which he had heard had proceeded. Within the door and under the hall lamp was a noisy group in a storm of gestures and of voices. Gwynplaine approached in the gloom. They were quarrelling. On one side there were ten or twelve young lords who wanted to go out, on the other a man with his hat on, like themselves upright and with a haughty brow, who barred their passage. Who was this man? Tom, Jim, Jack. Some of these lords were still in their robes, others had thrown them off, and were in their usual attire. Tom Jim Jack wore a hat with plumes, not white like the peers, but green, tipped with orange. He was embroidered and laced from head to foot, had flowing bows of ribbon and lace round his wrists and neck, and was feverishly fingering with his left hand the hilt of the sword which hung from his waist-belt, and on the billets and scabbard of which were embroidered an admiral's anchors. It was he who was speaking and addressing the young lords, and Gwynplaine overheard the following. I have told you you are cowards. You wish me to withdraw my words. Be it so. You are not cowards. You are idiots. You all combined against one man. That was not cowardice. All right, then it was stupidity. He spoke to you, and you did not understand him. Here the old are hard of hearing, the young devoid of intelligence. 
I am one of your own order, to quite sufficient extent to tell you the truth. This newcomer is strange, and he has uttered a heap of nonsense, I admit, but amidst all that nonsense there were some things which were true. His speech was confused, undigested, ill-delivered. Be it so, he repeated, you know, you know, too often, but a man who was but yesterday a clown at a fair cannot be expected to speak like Aristotle or like Dr. Gilbert Burnett, Bishop of Salisbury. The vermin, the lions, the address to the underclerks, all that was in bad taste. Zounds! Who says it wasn't? It was a senseless and fragmentary and topsy-turvy harangue, but here and there came out facts which were true. It is no small thing to speak, even as he did, seeing it is not his trade. I should like to see you do it. Yes, you. What he said about the lepers at Burton Lazar's is an undeniable fact. Besides, he is not the first man who has talked nonsense. In fine, my lords, I do not like to see many set upon one. Such is my humor, and I ask your lordship's permission to take offense. You have displeased me. I am angry. I am grateful to God for having drawn up from the depths of his low existence this peer of England, and for having given back his inheritance to the heir, and, without heeding whether it will or will not affect my own affairs, I consider it a beautiful sight to see an insect transformed into an eagle, and Gwynplaine into Lord Clancharlie. My lords, I forbid you holding any opinion but mine. I regret that Lord Louis de Ross could not be here. I should like to insult him. My lords, it is Fermain, Clancharlie, who has been the peer, and you who have been the mountebanks. As to his laugh, it was not his fault. You have laughed at that laugh. Men should not laugh at misfortune. If you think that people cannot laugh at you as well, you are very much mistaken. You are ugly. You are badly dressed. My Lord Haversham, I saw your mistress the other day. She is hideous, a duchess, but a monkey. Gentlemen who laugh, I repeat that I should like to hear you try to say four words running. Many men jabber. Very few speak. You imagine you know something because you have kept idle terms at Oxford or Cambridge, and because before being peers of England on the benches of Westminster, you have been asses on the benches at Gonville and Caius. Here I am, and I choose to stare you in the face. You have just been impudent to this new peer, a monster certainly, but a monster given up to beasts. I had rather be that man than you. I was present at the sitting, in my place as a possible heir to a peerage. I heard all. I have not the right to speak, but I have the right to be a gentleman. Your jeering airs annoyed me. When I am angry, I would go up to Mount Pendle Hill and pick the cloudberry which brings the thunderbolt down on the gatherer. 
that is the reason why i have waited for you at the door we must have a few words for we have arrangements to make did it strike you that you failed a little in respect towards myself my lords I entertain a firm determination to kill a few of you all you who are here thomas tufton earl of thanet savage earl rivers charles spencer earl of sunderland lawrence hyde earl of rochester hugh barons gray of rolleston Kerry hunsdon eskrick rockingham little cataract robert darcy earl of holderness william viscount hunton and ralph duke of montagu and any who choose i david dury moi an officer of the fleet summon call and command you to provide yourselves in all hastes with seconds and umpires and i will meet you face to face and hand to hand to-night at once to-morrow by day or night by sunlight or by candlelight where when or how you please so long as there is two sword-length space and you will do well to look to the flints of your pistols and the edges of your rapiers for it is my firm intention to cause vacancies in your peerages ogle cavendish take your measures and think of your motto cavendotutus marmaduke langdale you will do well like your ancestor grindold to order a coffin to be brought with you george booth earl of warrington you will never again see the county palatine of chester or your labyrinth like that of crete or the high towers of dunham massey as to lord vaughan he is young enough to talk impertinently and too old to answer for it i shall demand satisfaction for his words of his nephew richard vaughan member of parliament for the borough of marioneth as for you john campbell earl of greenwich i will kill you as Acon killed mattis but with a fair cut and not from behind it being my custom to present my heart and not my back to the point of a sword i have spoken my mind my lords and so use witchcraft if you like consult the fortune-tellers grease your skins with ointments and drugs to make them invulnerable hang round your necks charms of the devil or the virgin i will fight you blessed or cursed and i will not have you search to see if you are wearing any wizard's tokens on foot or on horseback on the high road if you wish it in piccadilly or at charing cross and they shall take up the pavement for our meeting as they unpave the court of the louvre for the duel between guise and bassompierre all of you do you hear i mean to fight you all dorme earl of carnavon i will make you swallow my sword up to the hilt as marolais did to lysel merivaux and then we shall see my lord whether you will laugh or not you burlington who look like a girl of seventeen you shall choose between the lawn of your house at middlesex and your beautiful garden at lundesborough at yorkshire 
to be buried in i beg to inform your lordships that it does not suit me to allow your insolence in my presence i will chastise you my lords i take it ill that you should have ridiculed lord fermain clancharlie he is worth more than you as clancharlie he has nobility which you have as gwynplaine he has intellect which you have not i make his cause my cause insult to him insult to me and your ridicule my wrath we shall see who will come out of this affair alive because i challenge you to the death do you understand with any arm in any fashion you shall choose the death that pleases you best and since you are clowns as well as gentlemen i proportion my defiance to your qualities and i give you your choice of any way in which a man can be killed from the sword of the prince to the fist of the blackguard to this furious onslaught of words the whole group of young noblemen answered by a smile agreed they said i choose pistols said burlington i said eskrick the ancient combat of the lists with the mace and the dagger i said holderness the duel with two knives long and short stripped to the waist and breast to breast lord david said the earl of thaday you're a scot i choose the claymore i the sword said rockingham i said duke ralph prefer the fists tis noblest gwynplaine came out from the shadow he directed his steps towards him who he had hitherto called tom jim jack but in whom now however he began to perceive something more i thank you said he but this is my business every head turned towards him gwynplaine advanced he felt himself impelled towards the man whom he heard called lord david his defender and perhaps something nearer lord david drew back oh said he it is you is it this is well timed i have a word for you as well just now you spoke of a woman who after having loved lord linnaeus clancharlie loved charles the second it is true sir you insulted my mother your mother cried gwynplaine in that case as i guessed we are brothers answered lord david and he struck gwynplaine we are brothers said he so we can fight one can only fight one's equal who is one's equal if not one's brother i will send you my seconds to-morrow we will cut each other's throats end of section ninety eight he would be a good brother were he not a good son recording by bill mosley bernardo texas u s a